Hey everyone, it's Steve here. Patrick has screeched his voice away this week, so I'm stepping in while he recovers to let you know all about our new tour dates for the winter. That's right, we're getting back out on the road and we want to see you there. We will be in Chicago on December 1st, Atlanta on December 2nd, and Boston on December 12th. All the details are in the show notes here, but you can also head over to our website, disappearedpod.com, click on the CS Live link, and get your tickets there. Hurry, these tickets won't last long, and we want to see everybody there. All right, thanks so much. Here's Patrick and Ellen and the show. So here we are on a take two of our cold open. You guys, we just did a cold open, and then he goes, no. nope, not recording, not recording. I mean, yeah. thank God. She's off her game this week. By she, I mean me. Yeah, yeah. yeah tell them why. <laughs> I, I have no reason. Aww. <laughs> hi, Ellen Mars. Oh, hi, Patricia. I feel like I haven't seen you in weeks and weeks and weeks. I walked into the studio today, and he literally, in an Tory manner. Yeah, yeah. You said, where have you been? <laughs> you guys, if we go like three days without talking, yeah. he's like a little lost lamb. Oh, yeah. It's honestly I'm, very, I'm totally very... lost without you. I don't know if I, I'm lost without you. I feel like you're... I'm I lost without you. <laughs> I feel like I'm you. You guys, if you want more of the shenan- shenanigans... When you say that, what? it reminds me of... Chris Watts' wife? Yes. All right. Shenan is closer. I know. Shenanigans. Can we just... Can you if say... If you guys want more silliness. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just... I don't like that name. <laughs> if you want more of the silly times, join Ellen and me on the, on the Patreon. You get three full ad-free bonus episodes every month. Okay, when we just recorded this and we had to scrap it, he said every week. I did say every week, and then I was like, oh, that's too many. I can't make that's that too many. many. That's too many. <laughs> right now we're in the middle of who the bleep did you marry? Yeah. It's I mean, crazy wait, times. is that a question? No. Oh, well, for me? I, I know who you married because I was there and I did it. I know. <laughs> it was did. my fault. I mean, not did it. No. <laughs> we don't eat people. We don't eat people. Oh, <laughs> uh, what else? Tell them one more thing. I've got big boobs. And I like it. I've got big boobs. And you like to talk about it. You can't put me on the spot. I'm like a six-year-old. I go straight to boobs. I'm like a little kid. Actually, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that my neighbors downstairs are like the loves of my life. Are we? This is the intro to our podcast. What are you doing? Their two-year-old pointed to my boobs and went, boobies. Jennifer, you can edit that. (laughs) All right, you guys. Season 5, episode 16. I have hard live in the Big Easy. A 38-year-old mother of two has just quit her job and now plans to leave New Orleans to start a new life. Her main goal was to get her children back and to write that novel. But she disappears before she can make her escape. And for three years, no one even knows she's missing. I would email her. I would get an email back. Things are fine. Everything's good. Why would you even want to search for somebody when you don't even know that they're gone? I've never seen nothing or heard of nothing like this in my entire career. It takes one of the nation's deadliest hurricanes to reveal the truth. Katrina blew the lid off of every box, every window. All secrets were out. Every day that a show pops up, I get a DM with somebody who screen-capped our description, circled your misspelled word, (laughs) and sent it to me. I'm like, sorry, he's got funny thumbs. 
Last night I was texting and I could not make any words spell right. And in my ears, I heard you going, oh, you got big chubby thumbs. <laughs> oh, who's got big chubby thumbs? So he can't spell here or on no. our podcast. In any event, this tells the story of the disappearance of Dana Pastore. Now, I think I can say with utmost certainty that I have never been so riveted yeah. by an episode's trailer as this one. Yeah. And in true non-down bitch form, <laughs> yeah. I had to Google what happens before the episode even started. So just that so you know what kind of three alarm monster you're dealing with. Oh, it's I know. I know. Oh, I know. Okay. I'm, I know. <laughs> Late March 2002. The air is already heavy with humidity as Dana Pastore packs to leave New Orleans for good. Her life has been plagued by ups and downs, and she's in search of lasting stability. Ten years ago, she seemed to be on the right track. Her life has been plagued with ups and downs. Sam. <laughs> what if he was like, her life is actually literally perfect. <laughs> nothing, nothing has ever gone wrong in her life, but she is, is leaving. Okay. We learned that 10 years ago, she seemed to be on the right track. So we're going back to October 1992. We're in Pensacola, Florida. So and I went, I, okay, here we go. Yeah, I'm always weary. I'm always trepidatious. I'm always worried yeah. whenever Florida Any comes Any other up. adjectives you got in there? No, but like, I, I love you, Florida. I'm just scared of you. <laughs> I mean, and for you. I'm scared of you and for it's you. It's kind of like our relationship. Like, I love you, but there's always a little bit of fear. Why do people that. <laughs> I am your nice, chubby, funny, gay teddy bear. Y'all haven't seen him turn. <laughs> she turns. Don't ruin my brand. <laughs> Don't ruin my brand. She turns. She turns. <laughs> I, I, it's true. I, she, same. She, Listen. She can, she can get angry. I would give you the shirt off my back till yeah. I won't. Yeah, sure. And you know what? Keep that shirt on. Okay. Those things need as much support as they Well, can. we'll take a vote. I feel like you're going to be in the losing category here, but I okay. gotta tell you, we did a TCO live show in Philly last night. I heard it was amazing. It was amazing. The queer women in America are in love with you, with Maggie, and with Jillian. They all have a type. It's a type. It's a type. You could not get I know. Three, three more different amazing no, women. Not guys, that I'm amazing. Well, but... Personality-wise, you're different, but you kind of look like you could all be sisters. Really? Yes. I think we all look so different. No, I mean, like, you don't. <laughs> Jillian's like the indie one. Maggie's like the rocker one. Yeah, and what I'm are you? Like, I'm just like the girl in a dress in the corner being like, Somebody like me. You want to hear about narcissism? Listen, the, yeah, exactly. The queer women of Philadelphia have boners for all of you. It's unbelievable. I love it. She had the restaurant. She has a husband. She has these two beautiful children. She lives in this beautiful home. And Dana had finally heard from someone important in her life, the father she had never known. He tells her he has three children, Dana's half-brother and two half-sisters. His youngest daughter, Kathy, wants to meet Dana. When I first heard about Dana, I was ecstatic. I just could not wait to see her. So she gets a call from a man by the name of Peter Surrett, and it was a father that she didn't know. And he's like, hey, I'm your dad. Also, you have a half-brother and two half-sisters. Now, the way that Christopher phrases this yeah. is a little funny because he says the, the youngest daughter, Kathy, is uh -huh. dying to meet her. And I'm sure it's just the way that he worded it. But I was like, listen, <laughs> none of us want to meet you. But for some reason, my youngest Kathy wants to meet you. Now, I'm calling on behalf yeah. of Kathy, yeah, sure. you see. 
she wants to meet you. Nobody else gives a crap. It's actually not true yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. Papa Peter actually turns up to be a really stand-up dude in the latter part. Of- As does Kathy. Yes, Kathy is yes. fucking awesome. But the way they phrased it, it was just yeah. like, can I meet my sister? Can I just meet my sister? And like no one else wanted to meet it. Totally not the case. Oh, And we learned that Kathy and Dana do meet. Kathy drives from Charleston, South Carolina to Pensacola. And she says, Kathy's like, we laughed, we cried, we laughed, we cried some more. <laughs> and we laughed because we were crying and we, we cried because we, we were laughing. laughing. I was like, I, I was like, that pretty much explains every recording we have. It's true. <laughs> like, Sister Kathy is actually adorable. And she said that to her, it seemed like Dana had it all, but it was... Not really the case. It's never the case. No. Nobody has it all. Can you take off those filters on social media? Nobody has it all. You know what? I have a friend that's really coming for everybody on social media lately for their curated feeds. What's wrong with that? If it makes you feel good to like show the happy parts of your day on social media, why why are we mad at that, sis? I'm I'm never mad at anyone for what they choose to like share about your life. I don't think anybody owes it to anybody to be like, here's what I look like with no makeup and feeling bloated. And some people do. And frankly, nobody wants to see those pictures no, of me. No, but some people like to normalize I, For the record, if you see a picture of me, it's me feeling bloated. Oh. I feel bloated. No, I don't mind a curated feed. I really, really don't. But it's all to say that, like, things aren't always what they seem. Correct. And sometimes yeah. they yeah. are. Yeah. You know, I try and be, like, as authentic as possible, but I definitely don't want to be like, hey, everyone, do you guys want to hear what I'm sad about today? <laughs> right, that's what I'm for. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Which is why it's been weird that you haven't called me. <laughs> sometimes I'll say to Patrick, I'll be like, call me, but not if you've been drinking. If you haven't been drinking, <laughs> Call me if you have been drinking. Call me tomorrow. <laughs> I, I need you. I need you straight. I need thinking. you sober, sis. Totally. <laughs> but oh, God. Sister Kathy, basically- there's a short window because I go to bed at like eight o'clock, and if I'm gonna drink, I start drinking at like five thirty. So oh, you got It's a short wait, window. If I hit you at five fifteen, yeah. it can go either way. Totally. Yeah. That's why I know that when I, at six o'clock, I don't even. I don't even no. try. <laughs> when I first met Dana, I remember looking around, thinking that she must have it all. But below the surface. Things are not exactly as they seem. Dana confides that her marriage is on rocky ground. One night, just the two of us, she kind of slipped and told me that, you know, she, she wasn't happy with where, where she was. Dana considers herself spiritual, and she says her husband, Frank, doesn't appreciate this side of her. Dana considers herself a spiritual person and wants a partner who feels the same. Her husband, Frank, doesn't feel that way. Twitch is in Frank. Would it kill you to go to church on Easter and Christmas, girl? I don't. I think when she was saying spiritual, it wasn't religious. Yeah. Because we find out later she's, like, super into tarot and uh-huh. things. I think she's more, like, earth child, sort of ethereal kind of spiritual. But Dana was like, listen, I have kids. Like, and I get it. It's easy to put your own feelings aside when you have yes. kids to make them happy. But I just want to say this because... Uh- Oh, here we go. No, it's not a monologue. <laughs> it's a statement because I've been there before. Uh-huh. Kids thrive from a happy household, not from having two parents. Oh, totally. Because Absolutely. Because every family structure is different, but it's true. That's basically what Sister Kathy said. Was yeah. She really wanted to move on with her life, but you feel the pressure to have a mom and a dad in a household. Oh, they, interesting. They, she, just, a mo- just a mom and a dad, huh? Yes. They, no other kind of two-parent family no, babe, home. No, they're have. a heteronormative couple. I'm talking about Dana. Okay. But my point is every family is different yes. and every family structure is different and I just think that there are a lot of people who think that way who should understand that their own happiness is part of their children's happiness. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And speaking of which, in 1994, Dana's marriage falls apart. You happy? No! 
I'm happy for anyone whose marriage falls apart. But Dana relocates to New Orleans and she plans to bring her kids with her once she's settled. And Frank, the dad, insists that the girls stay in Pensacola. She agrees to it for the time being. And this is where I'm like, I don't know. I feel like there's more to the story than we're getting. Well, yeah. I, yes. I, I mean, she basically was like, let me go to New Orleans, get a job, get a house, let me get settled. Then the girls can come and stay with me. Yeah. And Dana loved New Orleans. She loved the environment. She loved that spiritual side of her that she was able to connect with. So in April of 1995, her divorce was final. It's a year later. Yeah. And she was like, all right, cool. Like, I'm settled. Let me have those girls back over here. And Frank was like, nah, nah. Frank and also a judge yeah. were like, no, you abandoned into your kids. You can't have them now. Which just makes me feel, again, like there's more we're not being told. Maybe that's not true. But it wouldn't be considered abandonment if she was like going to see them all the time. Yeah, but he could phrase it however he wanted yeah. to. You yeah, know? absolutely. Like, if, and if, we are told that she did, like Kathy says, that she did go to see them yeah. all the time. So it could also be that she couldn't afford a lawyer and she, you know what I mean? Yeah, like when it that could shit, be so many things. But like yeah. one thing is for sure, this woman wasn't just like peace out to her kids. I'm going to go whoop it up in New Orleans. No, but be, speaking of peacing out, three months after after the divorce is final, Frank remarries and moves to Ohio. I wrote, what the fuck, Frank? Yeah. Like, you're not going to let her, like, take the kids to New Orleans, but you're going to take them to Ohio from Pensacola? Why, oh, why, oh, why, okay. What What musical? That is, wait, I know the answer to this. That is why, oh, from why, oh, why, Pajama Game? No. Well, hang on. Why did we leave Oh, oh no, 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 no. It's the Donna Murphy one. What is it? Uh, on the town. No. What is it? Wonderful town. Oh, that's what I meant. Idiot. Jennifer, <laughs> can you play it? Why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why did I ever leave Ohio? So in December 1995, when the girls come out to visit New Orleans, Dana Ugh. notices that she notices some like disturbing shit. And she sees bruises on the children, and the kids are terrified to and move back. And they're acting weird. They're acting, they're acting anxious. Weird. They have the bruises, but like moreover, also their behavior isn't lining up. Yeah, down bitch. Dana, the mom, takes them for a psychological evaluation. I gotta tell you, somebody asked me today how we find out Daisy was dyslexic. Psychological evaluation, yeah. that's not an easy thing to nail down. And it's expensive it's, as fuck. Days. Yeah, and um, it takes forever. Yeah. So I was like, good on you, Dana, yeah. that you were like, no, I'm doing this. I'm doing this right now. After speaking to Dana and evaluating the children, the psychologist says in a report that there is a strong suggestion her daughters have been victims of corporal punishment and they are anxious and scared to return home. Rather than use the evidence to try to gain custody in a lengthy court battle, Dana decides to take matters into her own hands. She calls Kathy to divulge her plan. They had been victims of corporal punishment. Corporal punishment, as far as I understand it, is like beating your children, like, right? Like, I, I don't want to use the word torture, but like, yeah, I mean, yeah, like beyond. Yeah. So, and so I wrote, <laughs> I wrote two things here. A, this is where I'd be sent to jail for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. And B, this is also where things kind of go off the rails in the episode. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> she da- puts herself into like a self-inflicted witness protection. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dana's being a dumb bitch, and yeah. she's like, well, listen, I'm not going through the courts yes. because they failed me 
once. Now, listen, I'm not condoning going around the court system. She goes into the underground, you guys. Right, and I'm not condoning what she did, but I would like to say I understand. I'm not saying, look, I don't think she did this the right way, not because I give a fuck about, like, going through the proper channels. Right. If you break the law, now you're the bad guy, yeah. then your kids are going to get taken away and either put in foster care or back to the abusive parent. Like, yeah. And that's not Dana's fault. I'm not putting that system on Dana. Yeah. There's got to be a better way. Yeah, so... I do do a lot of shrieking. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I've seen it in the iTunes reviews. Shrieking. Yeah. But, like, you know... <laughs> you guys, can you go right now and counteract that shit? Can <laughs> Just, you go right now and give us a five-star review and say, like, I like that weird, creepy gay guy screeching, don't please? Don't say creepy. Okay, don't say... You know what? Don't say All right, creepy. go do that now. We'll wait. Oh my God, you guys, thank you so much. <laughs> so, so nice. So, uh, again, what Dana does, do you have a fight or flight instinct? Oh, that's a stupid question. Yeah, you fucking do. <laughs> that was the dumbest question I've literally ever asked. But when you fear your child is in danger, oh, yeah. I, 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 you have a fight or flight in life. But when it comes to Daisy, and like, I don't want to throw the word mama bear around because yeah. it's actually a real, real visceral thing. Yeah. Like male grizzly bears don't have a connection to their cubs right. at all, actually. <laughs> male bears like fuck and then fuck off. Did is you that know that? Is that true? Oh, yeah. They have huh. nothing to do with the rearing of cubs. How do you know this? <laughs> I love that you hate men so much. You've taken it to the animal kingdom. <laughs> The, the humans are not. A, you know what? Men suck in all fucking species. Oh, and aliens. Have you heard about alien men? You know what, what they that, do? That's so true, though. Hey, how about male fishes? No, you're not going to believe it. You think the bears are bad. The male bears have no participation <laughs> in the cubs' lives. You guys have not heard a true crime story until you've heard about a narcissistic male bear. You really don't know. Like, you really you gaslighting bear, bitch. Do you, do you see that bear gaslighting that mama bear? You get back over here, you bear, bitch. I love that you have thoroughly proven how awful male humans are. You've had to take it into the realm of animals. Actually, male lions are pretty horrible, too. They don't do anything. So she takes off with the kids and then the dad immediately hires an investigator to go find them. And it's in order to do this and live off the grid, like you have to have cash, Ugh, I mean, you know, yeah. and Dana's not like a rich person, but she's in hiding with her children for a year. That's another thing too. Like that life can't be, be healthy for the children either. And I'm not blaming Dana. I know like, I literally have to know, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? I mean, she calls sister Kathy and is like, I can't tell you everything, but I am okay. Yeah. And so she tells everyone that she's hot-footed it to Canada, yeah. which, like, the mama bear in me is, like, by any means necessary. Yeah. But there's this tiny, tiny, tiny corner of my rational thinking brain. Yeah. What? There's still a little piece of that left, I huh? don't use it often. Okay. It's like, it's like what? <laughs> it just, like, wait, it's like, uh, And then it goes back to sleep. But I was like, I think that's kidnapping. Yeah. Legally, I mean, it is kidnapping. And we learn that, like, Dana never makes it to Canada. And Papa Peter, who's, like, newly back in her life. He's the sheriff of whatever town he lives in. Police and, chief? I don't know if that's different. I feel like it is. He's oh, the well, now we're going to... Well, now, you know what? Take next week off and just answer the DMs, okay? <laughs> just look at the DMs. <laughs> 
You but, guys heard it. You guys yeah. heard it here. It's going to be Patrick only next week. No, I'm saying I'm saying you're going to need the week off to oh, answer all okay. of the deal. Okay. I'm not doing that. Oh, okay. You guys know that I love you, but I'm not. My thumbs are so chubby. I know. I can't, I can't write back to y'all like that. <laughs> you guys, what if I just like walked into the booth and he was going, one, two, stretch, three, four, five, stretch. And <laughs> Trying he's to just, lose weight in my thumbs. Yeah, he's just doing thumb exercises. Patrick, your thumbs look amazing. <laughs> in late December 1996... Dana's father, Peter Surratt, a retired police chief, gets a phone call from a friend in the FBI. Dana has been spotted in Seattle, Washington. The FBI agent recommends that Peter tell his daughter to turn herself in. If she doesn't, she could face up to 10 years in prison on kidnapping charges. Soon after, on Christmas Day, Dana calls her father, defeated. For whatever reason, however, Papa Peter is able to convince her to turn herself in. He's like, just do it this with way kids. with the kids. If you do it this way, it won't be as bad because they're on to you and they're going to find you. But it's good because Papa Peter, like, she gets arrested. The kids get put in foster care. We never find out what happens I to the kids. I was just going to say that. Yeah. I'm sure the dad comes and, like, gets them. But well, I don't know for sure. I know we that's really the don't last know. Because if that was going to happen, that would have happened when they got the kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as a foster parent, I can tell you like there's a lot of paperwork involved in that yeah i remember the paperwork yeah so (laughs) so much paperwork so dana is apprehended papa peter calls sister kathy so this should be said that dana was apprehended in dayton yeah and so papa peter because of his connections in law enforcement he got her released to his custody at least until the trial which is amazing yeah so she's on house arrest in south carolina can you imagine though like you had to live with your dad even though you guys are just getting to know each other you can't leave his house (laughs) it's very generous of him to have her and maybe the living situation was great but maybe he left the toilet seat up seems like Papa Peter's been living alone for a long time. My brother was here last week uh-huh. and he left the toilet seat up and I was like the two most prominent men in my life. <laughs> you and my brother. I could literally do murder too. But, yeah. No, that tracks. But Sister Kathy is back. Sister Kathy only lives 30 minutes away from Papa Peter so she's coming down every weekend to hang out. You guys, we are told they spend their nights drinking tequila and smoking cigarettes. I was like, that sounds like a fucking blast. Ugh, not, not the cigarette part. Also, do you drink tequila just neat? You know who drinks tequila neat? Who? Adina Alexander. <laughs> she fucking loves a neat tequila. That's so gross. She's like, just give me a cup of tequila. No, just a cup. A uh, cup of tequila. Like warm tequila. But you know, tequila is supposedly like the best alcohol for it's you. It's one of the only uppers, if not the only. I, you know when I order a martini at a bar, I'm like, can I get a martini, but no vermouth? Just like, you know, absolute straight up. And the guy, oftentimes you're like, so just a cup of cold vodka? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Ma'am. Yes. Can you give me a gay yes, ma'am? It's my favorite thing you do. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> One night, Dana tells Kathy she wants to read her tarot cards. Dana said, I believe that I have a gift to tell people about their life. She proceeded to tell me that my marriage was going to fail. She told me that my financial status would change completely from being very good to being very bad. But the bright side of these things is that I would meet someone from another country and that he would be my soulmate. Everything came true. Dana's like, no, it'll be fine. It's just like two sisters, like, hanging out gabbing. We're just going to be silly. I'm going to read your tarot. It's going to... Oh. Oh, no. (laughs) 
Oh, these cards. Oh, <laughs> Molly, you're in danger, girl. Yeah. You are in trouble. She also doesn't hold back. She literally says to Kathy. She's like, do you want the bad or the worst part first? I'm going to go from bad to worse. And then I'm going to let it get worse. Is that good? Because it's bad. She says her marriage is going to fall apart. Within the next year, she'd be divorced. Her financial status would change from completely good to completely bad. And then Kathy's like, it all came true. Yeah. Fade to black. I know. She's like, but it all, was, it all came true. I was like, bad. I know. Within a year, you like lose your husband, like lose your money, but you meet a person from another country? Soulmates aren't found. They're recognized. Okay. Okay. So you make someone. I mean. So Wednesday, June 10th, 1998, it's six months after she was arrested. Dana is sentenced to up to two years of probation. So she didn't get any jail time, which is great. But she's finally free to leave her father's home and try to pick up the pieces of her life. Could you imagine that goodbye? She's like, well, <laughs> it's been a fun, been a fun six months. I would literally rather eat my toes for breakfast yeah. than ever have a man share my bathroom again. Okay, you hate men. No, I hate their parts. I know. There's one part that I like and I don't even like that much. I And ladies, before you start to all, I feel like we get to this point in every episode where all of our lesbian listeners pick up their phones and the DNs start a flying and you can't blame them. I love them. Finally, she is free to leave her father's home to pick up the pieces of her life and start over once again. Dana decides to take her tarot card reading skills back to New Orleans. She talks about being clairvoyant. And that's why she was so heavy into the tarot card readings. While reading cards in Jackson Square, Dana becomes reacquainted with a friend named John Morgan, who also makes his living reading tarot cards in the park. So sweet Dana decides she's going to take her tarot card reading skills back to New Orleans because she's a clairvoyant. Good yeah. for you, Dana. I believe in all that. So she's she- like a street tarot reader. I believe him. I'm just saying, like, that's not a job other places. I think it is in New York. Are you seen like a street tarot reader? I think that. Haven't you passed by, like, in the East Village and they're like, do you want your palm red? I'm like, <laughs> no, okay. Like, <laughs> That'll be $98. Yeah, Thank you. Every and time. <laughs> anyway, we don't get a lot on this story either, but we learned she gets back in touch with another tarot card reader by the name of John Morgan. Also, how many tarot card readers are there? Is there like a Facebook group? Is there like a meetup well, situation? Well, it just seems like a, that's kind of the spiritualityness right. that she was looking for, like that exists in New Orleans. Well, there you go. So if you're looking to find love with another clairvoyant person, it's in right. it's in Nolens. <laughs> Nolens. It's waiting there just for you. So Kathy says that Dana and John have an instant connection. She says he was tall and strapping and he could put his arms around her and protect her. <laughs> They're like, so I just got out of prison. And I'm like, uh-huh. Oh, but how tall are you? That's literally me. Yeah. No, I mean, I like I just came from prison. I'm like, I know, but like, is, but how it, tall? is it six two? Yeah, and you are six two. Look, I say this with love and admiration. You're the horniest person I know, and I know a lot of gay guys. My mom listens. Mrs. Ellen's mom, she's really horny. No. She's my, my Blanche Devereaux. Going, my mom was like, oh, hi, honey. I was just listening to your podcast. I was like, you know, can you just skip the summer months? Can we just, can you take a break for the summer? It really went off the rails I'm this telling summer. you, those silly goose fall. We're not writing the ship, We're, as they say. You know what I mean? John Morgan and Dana start dating. For the first time, Dana has the partner she's always longed for. She had found someone that shared her beliefs and her spirituality and believed in, you know, the earth and the wind and gods and goddesses. She felt 
like a kindred spirit with him. With a steady income from reading tarot cards, Dana hopes to save enough money to hire a lawyer and get custody of her daughters. Dana and John start dating. They fall mad. She calls him her. Does she say soulmate again? She does. <laughs> I'm going to jump headfirst into a volcano. I don't need this kind of drama today. It's Tuesday. It's the Lord's Day. Oh, God. Did I skip that? I probably intentionally did not write that down. I think you did, too. But this guy's the partner she's always been looking for. He oh, shares God. her belief in spirit. Did she say that or did you say that? No. I, what? Like, I would write that down. She's you the see a partner picture of this she, guy? Yeah, the partner I've always been looking for. Shut up. You want to hear more? I'm also like, John, where are you, girl? This is when we get to that point of the episode where like, the person we're talking about yeah. the most isn't here. Yeah. And Notice then you're that like, right away. Err. Yeah. So John worked at a deli, I guess, to supplement their tarot card reading income. But we learned that Dana is making steady income from reading tarot cards. I mean, She's listen, making money. She runs into a bunch of Ellen's. Totally. <laughs> Wait, you want me to do it? Oh, okay, I'll do it. No, I'll do it. I just didn't think anyone wanted it. Yeah. So, she, you know, listen, also, Dana has a goal. She's trying to save money to get her kids back. Yeah. Um, and she's trying to save money for a fucking lawyer. That's yeah. just not how it should be, America. Why is there a system like that? So, John and Dana are both working at this deli. They're both working the graveyard it's shift. called the do, quartermaster. The quartermaster. Do we say the graveyard shift anymore? I feel like we've come I across don't think this before. Are we worried about this offending dead people? No, I just, I was just like, it just, it's such a weird, obscure term. You know what? The dead can fuck off, all right? If they're going to be offended. <laughs> you know what? Dead people, write, write me some iTunes reviews. <laughs> no, Tell me how mad you are. I wasn't asking if people were offended. I was just like, have we come up with a better word yet? I can see like a DM that's like, on behalf of the dead, yeah. I do not like the the use of the word graveyard shift, okay? I'm just saying, you can evolve your language. Yeah. Like, yeah, true, I can. Always evolving, always changing. But to cut down on expenses, John suggests that Dana moves in with him. And I just said, John, where are you, girl? Why aren't you here, girl? Maybe some of us have fallen for that line before. Yes. Yeah. I'm still living with mine. <laughs> Let's save money and move in together. Yeah. Some marriages work out, Ellen. Oh. I wasn't even talking about that oh. one. <laughs> I was talking about the really fucked up one. So Papa Peter visits, and he was worried. I do love that Papa Peter, who like didn't know her yeah. until a year ago, is suddenly super involved in That's her life. That's why I said great. it was like funny the way that they framed it. But yeah. Papa Peter is showing up like a dad. The so, look on your face when I said some marriages work out was that was that below the belt. Um, <laughs> no. Okay. You got you were on speaker with your daughter today, and I heard his voice, and I was like. Fuck, he's got such a fucking sexy voice. If only he wasn't a fucking asshole. He's just like body but for also, days. But also, babe, and I voice. really have to tell you, yeah. now that his face has been exposed, uh -huh. both on our socials and at our live shows, you're in a class all by yourself. So you're saying from your perspective, you married an ugly dude. No, no. He has an aged well. Because all the pictures you put up were recent. Uh -huh. When he was 25, he was a hot piece of ass. Yeah. But 20 years... Has not been kind to him. <laughs> I will say that much. I've gotten better looking. And actually, he said that. He's, he's like, you're aging in reverse. You are. I was like, put oh, it away. Get out of here. Like, First of all, you're way too old for me now. So. <laughs> so 
Dana's dad comes to visit, and he's just not psyched about how she's living. Yeah. Like, she shows him their tiny apartment in the square where she's doing palm readings and the seedy nightlife in the French Quarter, which I'm like, I don't know that the nightlife in the French Quarter is seedy, but okay. She was putting her life back together, and he it just, like, made him a little bit sad to see. Yeah, and he's and he says to her, you need to get off the streets or one day they're going to kill you. And, you know, he's a sheriff where, or, yeah. or a police chief, he's, and he's wherever he lives. South Carolina. Like, yeah. that shit just doesn't happen. So, but, you know, one of the co-workers... You okay the- over there? You're, you're gurgling. <laughs> you're, like, fucking burping. You are, you talk about how gross men are, and then you come in here, you belch, and you fart. I have never, ever, <laughs> ever, ever farted in this booth. Not once. You hear me, 20-year-olds? I have never farted. You go ahead and log off. <laughs> you log off right now. I'll take it from goddamn here. I have never farted in this booth. If you ever did fart in this booth, I I would burn this building down. Are you trying to fart? (laughs) Oh, my God. After four years in New Orleans, Dana is restless. She's also still determined to get her daughters back and pursue something she has always wanted to be, a writer. She had enough of New Orleans. I need time away from New Orleans. I need to go and pursue my dream, which is to write. On March 15th, 2002, Dana tells her coworker Andy that she is leaving her job. So we're at March 15th, 2002, and she's like, you know what? Remember that dream of being a writer? Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm she tells my- Andy, her coworker. She, she's like, I'm giving it. My- Andy, her coworker. Oh, Andy's he like- was very sweet. Oh, as though being gay is an insult? Oh, my God. Why are you like, no, he's not gay. He's so sweet. Now- Why would you be so mean and call him gay? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's wrong that you're, with you? That you're giving him a title and you're giving him a sexuality? How do you know? I, he just said like a gay to me. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway, she gives notice at the deli. She gives her two weeks. She wants to get custody of her girls, and she wants to write a memoir. I, too, want to write a memoir. Don't. What would your memoir title be called? I wrote a memoir. It wasn't my memoir, but I wrote it for somebody else. Yeah, what would your <laughs> memoir be called? Uh, farting in the booth. No, that's not that's not a thing. <laughs> or funny. What my, would yours be? He was crazy, even for me. <laughs> But for one of Dana's last scheduled shifts at the quartermaster, she doesn't show up for work. When her colleagues call to check on her, neither Dana nor her boyfriend, John Morgan, answers the phone. Dana never had a cell phone. The only way that I could contact Dana was via her landline at her apartment. Then, the day after Dana is a no-show at the deli, John turns up for his shift and shares some troubling news. So it comes time for her very last shift after her two weeks notice and she doesn't show up. And everyone was like, that's weird. Everyone calls to check on her. They have I this get little, it. Yeah. I, look, I've quit a bunch of jobs in my life and I never want to go on my last day. One time I actually called the bar where I was working and I was like, can I not come today? And they were like, no, you have to come today. Really? Yes. <laughs> Do you remember Joe's on Newberry? I worked there yeah, in college. Of course. I worked there and I got drunk one day and didn't show up the next day and just never showed up again. Really? <laughs> I just never showed up. Again. You never Joed up again. No. And 
every time I would walk by it, I would walk on the other side of the street. But they're saying Andy and, and all the coworkers are like, she never came back. Her friends and coworkers are calling their yeah, li- her, her landline to try to check on her. This is the early 2000s. It's 2002. She doesn't have a cell phone. Yeah. So the and, only way people can get in touch with her is the landline. And no answer. So John shows up the next day and was like, yeah, Dana was in a car And remember, accident. John works there too. He got her this job. So yeah. he knows all the same coworkers. Right. And so she got in a car accident and everyone's like, of course, alarmed, concerned, asking if there's anything they can do to help. And John was like, no, there's nothing. And also she's in the ICU, so nobody can see her. Except for me. I Except go every single day. I go every day to the ICU to visit her. So he's giving everybody, like, updates and saying, I go there every day, telling everyone about her recovery. So, like, nothing seemed fishy. Yeah. To everyone else. They're like, how is she? How is she? Send her our best. We miss her so much. And, right, and then, like, things go back to normal, but they start to notice changes in John. Right. And they call him, like, a casual pothead, but now they think that he's, like, turning to harder drugs like mushrooms. Yeah. To which I said, are mushrooms hard drugs? I mean, they're hallucinogenics, but I think they also said cocaine. Didn't they say cocaine as well? Cocaine's a hard drug, you guys. I've never done any of these things, but I was like, isn't mushrooms just like a hippy-dippy? Yeah. I want to see, like, the pink elephants dancing on the ceiling kind of thing. We should do mushrooms. Never. I'm never doing mushrooms. We should do it. I did it once in Amsterdam. (laughs) It was a fucking blast. Gradually, life at the deli returns to normal. But looking back, Dana's co-worker Andy realizes John's behavior had changed. John Morgan was always neat. He was always very professional, and he was just letting himself go. Andy suspects that John, always a marijuana smoker, was getting into harder drugs, like cocaine and mushrooms, and was using them more and more frequently. It also now is coming out that they're sort of like analyzing John's behavior and they're like, wait, actually he was also a little bit controlling. Like, didn't you see him yelling at Dana a lot? But like, also, Andy is, con- is like, also, I think that he hit her but knew where to hit her where the bruises wouldn't show. He- Andy, blow a goddamn whistle when you can, girl. Yeah, like, I was like, Andy, say more. Say more, but say sooner. When you know that, like, this woman's being beaten, I don't know what you're allowed to do, but, like, all of a sudden, John, her, quote, protector, we are learning he's a fucking monster. Yeah. So uh, weeks and weeks are going by and people are checking in with her through him. And then John's like, oh, she's not coming back to the work. Yeah, no. Her parents came and got her. They took her to rehab. And then like months after that, John's like, she got out of rehab and she went to Prague. She's going to write that memoir after all. Remember how she was going to write that memoir? Yeah. She's going to the Pearl of Europe. (laughs) Is that what that is? Wait. (laughs) The Pearl of Europe. Prague is like my, have you ever been to Prague? Uh Uh-uh. Prague is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Wow. It doesn't even look real. Do you want to know why? And you're going to get really, really mad when I tell you why. Why? When you take the train into Prague, it looks very Eastern Bloc. And Uh then when you get to Prague, it looks like Disneyland. And that's because it was Hitler's favorite city. Oh, yeah. And he- Here we go. You love talking about Hitler. (laughs) You love it. You love it! And they were ordered to not touch Prague. Prague remains untouched. Nothing ever happened during the Second World War. Wow. Prague. Anything else about Hitler? Or are you good? Just that? Just that I today? No, it's just such a fun. He was like, right, everything get destroyed, not Prague. <laughs> what? I just don't think the Hitler jokes are as funny it's as you It's not a joke. It's real. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, so when so she's ep- in Prague, the Pearl of Europe. <laughs> it is. Google it. <laughs> so, like, the work people don't know about Kathy. Kathy doesn't know I about know. the work people. So Kathy's calling John, and if John answers the phone, he'd be like, oh, she's not here. She's at work, or she's out in the square doing the tarot. You just missed her. You just missed her, girl. So he's he 
keeping these two stories alive. Everybody in New Orleans thinks she's in Prague. Right. And he's telling the family, no, she's just here. You just missed her by five minutes. But then Kathy's getting emails from her. Right. So Kathy's like. From her. From her. her being Dana. From her being Dana. Right. Exactly. And so Kathy's like, I guess she's fine. And we just completely changed our relationship to completely via email for years. Yeah. Years. So it's Monday, August 29th, 2005. It's three years later. It's three years later. In August 2005, Hurricane Katrina ravages the city of New Orleans. When the levees break, hundreds drown, are crushed by collapsing buildings, or die from dehydration. With electricity out and phone lines down, there is no way to confirm how the storm has impacted Dana. We were going to have to wait until she contacted us to find out exactly what was going on. So two months pass, and that's when the water finally began to recede. And they were like, wait, nobody's heard from Dana. So Sister Kathy is like, I guess we're going to let her like wait out the storm, yeah. and then she'll call us. Kathy, you haven't spoken to your sister in three years. And all of a sudden, she's like, I guess she'll call us after the hurricane yeah. like, settles down or whatever. And so Sister Kathy and Papa Peter are freaking out. Papa Peter reaches out to the police there in New Orleans for a favor. But like, even with the favor, they're like, babe, it's chaos. Chaos here. Yeah. I don't know how I can help you out. Yeah, but then they have this like stroke of genius. Yes. Because they realize that Dana suffers from glaucoma, which is like an eye disorder. Yeah. And they're like, here's what we're going to do. She needs to get eye drops every single day yeah. or else she won't be able to see. So Papa Peter gets an officer to go to the pharmacy where she gets her prescriptions to find out when the last time she picked up a, a prescription was. Uh, it was four years ago, you it guys. It was four. 2001. I just wrote, what? Yeah. So Papa Peter calls boyfriend friend John and it takes a while to get through but his story to Papa Peter don't worry she's fine she took her FEMA money remember like some of the people in New Orleans yeah. got money from FEMA and took off for Europe so now he's reverting back to the Europe yeah. story yeah 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 no, and no, no, Kathy's no. like she's you know Europe. what good for you girl Kathy believes in hook line and sinker and why wouldn't you I know. and she's like it was always her dream to go to another country to write a book and there she goes and there she also goes. where are the girls where are the kids we don't know anything about guys, the kids once truly once we hear they're in foster care we That's do not, it. We don't hear about the girls again. It is heartbreaking. Yeah. So it's October 21st, 2005. We meet Detective Gregory, who gives no fucks. He just tells you everything exactly how it is. Is that Detective Hamilton? Yes. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. His name is Gregory Hamilton. Detective Hamilton. <laughs> After the water subsided, we find that these bodies just all over the city that we weren't able to get to during the Katrina floods. On October 21st, 2005, Detective Greg Hamilton gets a call from the 5th District Police Precinct. They had a body that was thrown out in the trash. I believe that here we got another Katrina situation, someone done drowned, their body been left there, until I got there and seen what I saw. Detective Gregory has no fucks to give. Yeah. He just calls them like he sees them. Yeah. He says, after the water receded from Katrina, we found bodies all over the city. Oh, yeah. I was like, can we, can we, it's a comedy podcast. Can we be a little, a little more ginger with our verbiage? Bodies all over the city, you guys. So on October 21st, 2005, Detective Gregory gets a call from another precinct and he just says, we found a body that was thrown out with the trash. Oh my Gregory. God. So we, this woman, Kathy Greer, is the one who yeah. found this body. So it turns out that she was cleaning out the basement and there was this sort of like crate type of luggage. Like a looking, trunk. Yeah, like a trunk. Do you yeah. know the word trunk? Sorry. <laughs> I was seeing it in my, in my mind. <laughs> 
Did you just learn a new word? I did. Thank you so much. Honestly, I don't know where I would be without you. Do you have any any more pearls of wisdom to tell me? Do you have any more pearls of Europe you want to tell us about? I'm sorry I know history and you don't. I'm sorry I know geography. I'm sorry I'm cultured. I'm sorry I've traveled. I apologize for all those things. Tell us more about whitewater rafting on the Nile. (laughs) Tell us more about descending so deep and I'm so cold because I'm so tiny. Anyway. And I can't swim so deep because I get so cold because I don't have any fat on my body. That was off the coast of Sardinia, by the way. Okay, great. Yeah. I used to have a good life. Yeah. Now I'm just stuck in But then he, then your husband left you for a coffee shop. Ellen left her husband. Do not perpetuate that narrative. At least give me that. At least Throw give me, me that I left him. Throw me a goddamn oh. bone. Okay. So He took his body with him when he left though, right? The body yaddy yaddy. The body yaddy yaddy. He brought it right with him. It's not that great, babe. <laughs> when I examined the trunk and its content. Within it was an electrical cord, and broken off the cord was a curling iron. But upon close examination, I could begin to see hair. I could begin to see fingernails. I could see teeth. And I immediately determined this could not be Katrina-related. Kathy Greer tells the detective that her daughter's boyfriend stored the trunk in their house. Yeah, so basically, I mean, like, Detective Greg, who gives no fucks, yeah. opens the box, and he finds a body in there. Like, he finds, a like, a corpse it's, in trash it's bags. highly, highly decomposed. Yes. It's, it was remains. But there is a cord, and attached to the end of the cord is, like, a, a very, very, like, decomposed or what? It was a curling iron. Yeah. And they make it clear that this is definitely not Katrina-related. Yes. And so then the landlady, Kathy Greer, was like, you know what? My daughter's boy boyfriend actually showed up to the house with that because they were living in the house until they received their FEMA checks yeah. and then they hot-tail it out of here. I don't know where they are, but like I'll definitely help you find them. It also seems like Kathleen's not real close with her daughter because <laughs> she's yeah. like my daughter and her boyfriend were living here and then they left. Don't know where, don't they, know where are. they are. I mean, I will make some calls. <laughs> totally. I will definitely put my best foot forward on this. No promises. Yeah, but I don't know where but she I is. But I have no idea where she is and she's like, well, also this lockbox belong to him here. Maybe this will give you some information. Yeah. And oh, by the way, do you want to know his name? His name was John Morgan. Yeah, and no, just to like really be clear here, John Morgan is dating this woman's daughter. Right. And I'm like, we're all assuming what we're assuming here, right? Yeah. If you're going to kill a girlfriend, stop having girlfriends. Oh, God. Don't have another girlfriend. Yeah. Because you're going to get caught, sis. Dana Pastore's family thinks she's living in Europe, writing her memoir. But Dana's passport has been found with human remains in the house where Dana's former boyfriend, John Morgan, used to live. In mid-October, Detective Hamilton goes to the apartment to speak with the landlady, Maria Barranco. There, the detective discovers new pieces to the puzzle, each more disturbing than the last. And so, Maria Barnacle is the opposite to me. Yeah. She's got a real mind for dates. She, She's got I a know. real mind she for does. details. I made this and she was like, yeah, she disappeared out of nowhere yeah. in 2002. Uh, I haven't seen her. Why? She was like, on December 1st, 2002, yeah. she was going to work. Yeah. Haven't seen her since that yeah. day. I was like, you could ask me what I ate for lunch yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will have to backtrack for 10 minutes. And this this woman remembered the date and time and Four location. years ago. Four years ago of the last time she saw this woman. I see my neighbors. I'm like, hey, do you still live here? I, I don't even know. What town is this? Yeah. Oh, hi, Mary. 
Yeah. But to see, I don't fucking know. After I didn't see her for three weeks, I started to wonder where Dana was. One day, John was walking in the patio and I said, oh, I haven't seen Dana in a while. Where she's been? John told me that she had an accident. She was riding in a truck and a, a toolbox hit her in the back of her head and she got a concussion. Maria tells Detective Hamilton that according to John, Dana is now living with her father in South Carolina. She says that after a couple of weeks of not seeing Dana, she asked John what happened to her. John says she got into an accident in which she got hit in the head with a toolbox. I was like, how do you get... John, what? John, as a, <laughs> as a liar. Yeah, I'm talking to you. As yeah, a liar. Me? How do you keep track of your lies? Uh, exactly. Uh, that is a good question. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at least just tell the same lie to everyone. But Why the- didn't he use the Europe story? I know. Good question. The specificity is odd. It's very... And, and speaking of specificity, so then Detective Gregory shows the landlord a picture of the trunk that they just found those human remains in. Yeah. He's like, have you seen this before? And she says, yes. In December 2004, I saw John moving it. He said he was helping his girlfriend move to her new place. I never saw him again after that. And I said, Maria, the memory for detail. Maria is better than P.I. Penny. That I bitch know. couldn't remember a goddamn thing. And here's Maria just chilling in New Orleans with a mind for detail. She is sharp as a t- She also says to Gregory, by the way, while you're here, my home has smelled like rotting corpses since he moved out. Did you want to look in the crawl yeah, space, girl? Yeah, do you want to take a little look-see? Because it smells like death. Yeah, and... They the, actually say death. Smells like death. They get up inside there and we see a reenactment and it looks like there are people living in this apartment oh in this God. apartment that smells like dead bodies yeah because she's like maybe it's rotting rats maybe it's dead rats in the walls and Gregory's like no that's human that's the smell of human remains and I said you guys New Orleans is wild yeah wild yeah. should we get everyone out of there yeah <laughs> fuck out of here movers this is Patrick oh boy here we go sorry everyone I know you I know you might like your terraces or your Mardi Gras and getting yeah. your tits out but apparently we gotta evacuate two days later Detective Hamilton receives a call from the coroner's office. The autopsy on the body in the trunk has been classified as a homicide, death by strangulation. That curling iron, which was still entangled in her hair. We believe that that was the weapon used to cause this death of strangulation. As the prime suspect is John Morgan, the hunt is now on to bring him in for questioning. The coroner said for sure that the corpse was said to have been a victim of a homicide, death by strangulation. And then Detective Hamilton was like, oh, that's what the curling iron was for. Remember, they found that curling iron in that box with the human remains. And you guys, this is where they show us the curling iron. And it is is like covered in goo and blood. It's It's, fucking awful. And and I heard show that seems unnecessary. Yeah, it was. It's very actually weird for the show. They usually don't show stuff like that. So that's when Detective Hamilton calls to get the mitochondria. DNA. So they get in touch with Dana's family just to kind of like narrow it all down. Well, to because see who they it assume was. it's her, and they're like, when we get the results back from the body, we want to have the DNA on file so we can make yeah. a direct match if it's her. Quick reminder: the whole family thinks that she's in Prague writing her novel. Right. So they, they ca- have not talked to Dana in a long, they time. In a long time. So they call Papa Peter, and they're like, "We might have found your daughter." And he's like, "In Prague? Right. Like, in the Pearl of Europe? In the Pearl of Europe? She's in Prague." And they're like, "No, we have her passport." Yeah. And we have her license. 
And it was in the trunk that had a body in it. Yeah. And, I mean, at this point, Papa Peter is, like, so confused, so upset. And, and then I- they call Kathy, and Kathy's like, but I've been emailing with her for all these years. For four <laughs> years, Sister Kathy's been emailing with her. Look, I'm not blaming the victims. I'm not blaming the family. But, like, at some point, don't you be like, can we have a call on Christmas morning? I mean, I'm sure that she did say yeah. that. And then she was like, oh, my God, we're running. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm yeah, sure yeah, they yeah, kept yeah. up the charade. Right. I mean, it does. Oh, the time difference. It's, it's also it's the Pearl of Europe and yeah. it's the only city that Hitler wouldn't let them destroy so I gotta go see the sights. See she knew and you didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yes. there's yeah. something what, what's happening in the Yarmouth school district that you didn't get that part of your education. Mm-hmm. Yes I agree with you. Do you know something else about Hitler? Um, <laughs> but due to flood damage to labs in New Orleans the DNA samples are sent to a lab in Quantico, Virginia where there is a tremendous backlog. Finally, on July 9th, 2007, almost two years after the remains were found, Detective Hamilton gets the DNA results needed to identify the body. My father called and told me that, um, that the DNA had come back and that it was, that it was Dana. It takes two years. Two years. Don't skip over that. No two years to fucking run the CNA, to which I'm saying is air quotes Dana still emailing with Kathy? I know. Oh, my God. So the DNA results come back. From Detective Hamilton. But it's a DNA. The body in the box is a DNA match to Dana. So in February of 2007, with that information in hand, John is then arrested. Yeah. And so you know how he's been telling all kinds of stories? Like the toolbox the and the toolbox, Europe. The pearl of Europe, the the car accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got one more trick up his sleeve. And we actually finally see this guy. Like, we haven't seen any video of him. We've barely seen a picture of him. We see the actual interrogation. We had an argument. She threatened to go to the police because of my involvement with drugs. I left in a panic. He threatens to tell the police about you and your drug suppliers. And then you end up getting mad and leaving the house, panicking and leaving the house, yeah. Not long after that, a guy whose name is Pepper came by and got my keys. I didn't go back home at that point. They're like, wait, 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 wait. So did you kill Dana? He's like, no. Yeah. Were you there? No. Do you know who it was? Yeah. In fact, yes, no, I do. No, I do. In fact, no, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely do. absolutely do. And then he went to the store where they both worked and called his drug dealer Pepper to warn him. Yeah. And then I just didn't come home that night. Yeah, and Pepper yeah. was incensed. <laughs> Pepper would not have his good name dragged through right. the mud. And then John returned home and found Dana dead. And then went to a store and bought a trunk. And he literally says, I went to a store, I bought a trunk, and I stuffed her body in the trunk. I don't know how to not be disgusting about it. Yeah. Well, most men don't know how to not be disgusting about a lot of things, but how about you give it an old college try there, Johnny boy? And then it cuts back to Sister Kathy, and she's like, oh yeah, it was definitely John emailing me the whole time. Yeah. It was definitely John. Kathy was just so duped. I mean, the whole thing is like, Kathy and Papa Peter, like, they were new family members. Like, it's not like they'd known Kathy their whole life, you know? And she was like, off trying to have this life, and she had been through so much, and it did seem like the family was genuinely loving and caring yeah. and was there for them. And then Detective Hamilton was like, none of that story is true. Like, Detective <laughs> Hamilton is just stone cold. Yeah. He's like, 
That's not bitch, true. Bitch, I don't buy that story. And then on July 29th, 2009, John Morgan was convicted of one count of second-degree murder, and he's sentenced to life in prison without parole. Bye. Bye. Yeah. And I'm thinking Papa Peter is no longer with us because he wasn't in the documentary, yeah. but I didn't find anything online. I'm sure if I looked harder, I would. But yeah, I mean, it was just like such a sad, it's very sad, gross story, and he will die in prison. Bye. So say something funny. Mail. Bears are really the worst. They're so mean to their wives and children. You guys, if you want more of the shenanigans, join us on the Patreon. Three full ad-free bonus episodes plus monthly trivia. Stop saying weekly because I know. people are gonna call us on it and be like, TikTok, it's Friday. Where's our fucking trivia? You guys, let's name the series that we've been covering in the Patreons. We did right now. We're doing Who the Bleep Did You Marry? We did Evil Lives uh-huh. Here. We did Snapped. See no evil. See no evil. The see no evil was so good. It was all about solving murders with surveillance videos. Yeah, so you, if you have a long trip coming up, or you yeah. need to clean out your closets, or you totally. need to clean your kitchen, yeah. download and binge right now. There's plenty of episodes. And I'll tell you, we really let our hair down. If you think we let our hair down here. You should hear us on the Patreon. We really let her rip. For we really sure. Rip. And just so you know, we completely follow your lead. So whatever you guys want on the Drama Club is what we're going to cover. I have yeah. a list in my phone a mile long. We're going to get to them all. Don't you worry. Don't you worry about and it. And if you want to follow us on socials, we are The Disappeared Pod. You can also join us on Face Group at The... <laughs> face Group. Join us on Face Group, you guys. Don't forget to join the Face Group book. I have problems with words. <laughs> You know that. I have ADHD, and you oh. are not understanding Ellen diagnosed herself with ADHD four weeks ago. No, I did not! <laughs> Do not tell the people that. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at Ellen Marsh. I am also on TikTok at Ellen Marie Marsh, and that is where I let my hair down. If you really want to know the juice, I talk a lot of shit about Patricia on TikTok. Oh, my Lord. All right, we love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Do you want a really cool male lion story? No. Okay. <laughs> DM me if you want my cool lion, male lion story. And John, if he... <laughs> oh, my God. I just fell down in my chair. Oh, my God. What did you just oh do? Oh, my God. There's a little button underneath my chair. Did you hit it? Yes, and it made me sink this to the floor. This is why we need video. That was just, you were very, very incorrect. I could not stand and watch you suffer in ignorance. Anyway. <laughs> um... <laughs> Let it slide. I was like, do I let that slide? No, no. no you gotta correct the record. No. You gotta yeah, yeah, correct yeah, the record yeah. on that one. Do you know someone asked me that the other day? What? What are your hobbies? I was like, what are your fucking hobbies? <laughs> Brenda? Yeah, like, who has time for hobbies? It was the weirdest question. Congrats if you've got a hobby. <laughs> We've missed each other, it feels like. <laughs> 